I think a, a quote by, uh, by Mark Twain. Um, hmm. He was like, I, I apologize for such a long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. <laughs> and I really, I really like that because on a number of, of, of different uh, levels. If you look at it from a product perspective, it's easy to build a really complex product. It's really, really hard to build a really simple product. And so more is not always better. As I think on that perspective, my product technology is something I, I really care about. And now today, um, you have to build kind of easy to use, simple products, which is really, really hard. It takes a lot longer and more time and more effort than to just build a, a really complex product with logic. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Great Business Minds podcast, the definitive show for the business of digital infrastructure. I'm your host, Jean-Max Lima, and I use my experience as a digital infrastructure journalist to dig deep into business issues, but also get to know those who build our digital world. Great Business Minds is brought to you by Portman Partners, the premier executive search firm for the digital infrastructure industry. With 50 plus years of experience, no other firm can match their knowledge, discretion and connections with the best top-level talent in the sector. So are you seeking great business minds for your digital infrastructure business? Contact Portman Partners today. Our guest in this episode has spent the last decade building a business which is today valued at more than 5 billion US dollars. Felix van der Maal has led Colibret through record growth and is responsible for its global business strategy. But prior to co-founding Colibre, he served as a researcher at the Semantics Technology and Applications Research Laboratory at the Vrije Universiteit Brussels in Belgium, where he focused on ontology-focused crawlers for the semantic web and semantic data integration. He holds a Master's in Computing Science and Software Engineering from the Vrije Universiteit Brussels and a Master's in General Management from the Vlerik Business School. Outside his HQ, he's a big fan of kite surfing, and in 2019, Felix was named the EY Technology Entrepreneur of the Year in New York. Felix, with that, I mean, let me welcome you to the, the Great Business Minds podcast. Um, it's great to have you on board, and uh, I can't wait to hear about your life's journey uh, and Colibri's as well. Um, Absolutely. But before we go into the business side of things, so the market and the company, let's talk about you. Um, Tell us about your life story. Like, where where did you come from? How did you get involved in this sector? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I grew up in Belgium uh, in a city called, called uh, Ostend, which is a coastal city at the coast of Belgium. So grew up on, on the beach, if you will. Uh, great childhood. Um, and then went to studying, went to university in Brussels, uh, studied computer science. Uh, so did that for about four years. Uh, had my master's, but I, I, I thought myself, Way too young at the time to, uh, to start working. Uh, I really wanted to study abroad. So um, spent another year, half year in France, uh, in Nantes. Did another master specifically in software engineering, for which I spent like half a half, uh, half year in Nantes. And then half year in Argentina. I really wanted to do something different as well. So spent almost half year in La Plata, which is a, a small city in, uh, in Argentina, close to Buenos Aires, uh, which was an amazing uh, experience as well. Um, and that's really when... Uh, I started kind of thinking about what I wanted to do next. I was always incredibly uh, excited um, and, and, and passionate about, about um, computers, right? From a very young age, I remember when internet first arrived in our, in our hometown, that was a, a big highlight for me. Um, and so I always wanted to do something uh, with that. During my time at university, I started becoming really passionate about data. Uh, and so uh, as things happened, 
kind of ultimately led to the to the to the starting of Kudipa. But that's kind of where where I come from. Uh, always always been very passionate about computers, about building things, um, and that's kind of uh, some part of my life story, if you will. Yeah, I mean, that's super interesting, especially with so much traveling. Do you think it's yeah. important that young people, um, especially when while at uni, coming out of uni, um, they should be traveling more, seeing different cultures, really growing um, personally, emotionally, culturally? Um, do you think there should be more of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's, it's so enriching your experiences, living in different cultures, different environments. Uh, it's also you, you, you learn how to get out of your comfort zone, which I think is really important. Because that's how you learn. That's how you grow. But when you do things for the first time, you're nervous about it. But you just you just go. You just figure things out. And I think these are all kind of really important life lessons uh, that you can easily apply in your future career as well. Um, it's great to kind of start appreciating different perspectives uh, as well. Uh, and these are, I think, amazing experiences. So experiences. So I would always recommend uh, people to do that. There's enough time to work, but just taking some time to to see the world live in different places, experience different uh, things, different people. Um, I think that's an amazing experience, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as they say on the streets, the struggle is real. When you move, <laughs> it is very real sometimes. The struggle um, is real, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I was actually going to ask you what kind of experiences have shaped you um, as a leader in your career, but I guess you've already mentioned such a big experience, which was traveling. But maybe let's talk about people instead. What people have influenced you um, in your life? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my parents, I've, I've, I've been blessed uh, to have fantastic parents. Um, and it's actually interesting because in, in my family now, um, now we started ultimately Kulibia, a company, but I don't really have a lot of kind of entrepreneurial people in my family with a lot, a lot of, kind of um, uh, a background in economy or building businesses. That so wasn't kind of in my family, but I think what I've always felt is an incredibly uh, kind of warm and loving home. I've always felt this ability to actually return home, whatever would have happened. And I think that's actually really impactful because it, it, it almost like a safety net. I always knew whatever happened, I could go return home and I would be welcomed and taken care of. <laughs> and I think that's just an incredible luxury really to have really. Um, and I think it allows me to take more risks uh, because I always knew I had that safety net. And I, I think that's that's been incredibly uh, impactful for me just personally. Uh, also starting the company with all that uncertainty, I think that just um, incredibly uh, valuable and something that I want to kind of give to my kids now uh, as well, that, that kind of that feeling of home, being able to always return. I think that's, I think that's really, really important. Again, because it allows you to kind of go out of your comfort zone, try things, uh, try new things. Uh, it just kind of reduces uh, the, the, the risk and anxiety and all of that that, that might uh, introduce. I think that's, that's a really, really big, uh, uh, a big influence in my life, of course. And then I think with the start of Colibria, um, kind of really my, my professional mentor, my professional uh, dad, if, if, if you will, uh, which is Tony Magui. He's still the chairman of the board every Monday. I still have a, an 8 a.m. Skype call with him now for almost 15 years. He was the first person that we talked to about their plans to start a company. Um, at the time, he was, he's been the CIO of IBM Belgium, the uh, like the, the the BBC of Belgium, right? The national broadcasting uh, company. So very uh, very long career. And almost he's been my kind of personal and professional mentor over the last fifteen years. So he's he's had an enormous amount of uh, impact on, on me personally as well. Yeah. Which is always important, um, and it's key to have someone like that 
um, Absolutely. in your professional life. Uh, and Felix, I found out that you like to doing kite surfing. You, you're a kite surfer. Um, I mean, yes. I'm from Portugal, so the fact that you do ocean <laughs> sports, you've already got quite quite high up on my consideration. Um, I mean, why kite surfing? What, what, what is it that attracts you um, to kite surfing? And what I don't even know the, what, what to say, but like what things or techniques or something that comes out of it that can be taken away from it and can be placed, for example, in the boardroom when you run a business? Yeah, good question. Like, why kitesurfing? Like I said, I grew up in Austin, the coastal city. So I, I spent every day on the beach. I did surfing, windsurfing, sailing, then kitesurfing when that became the, the, the new thing to do. And I, so I've always loved to be on the water. Uh, and, and, I, and I still do. So I think in that sense, we are maybe a, yeah. a little uh, alike. And I've, I've just always uh, found it incredibly um, powerful to be just in, and in, in the sea, on the sea, at, at sea, uh, no engines, just out on, out on the ocean. And I think uh, what I take away from it, I think just the, the, the stress uh, of, of work, right? I, I, to be able to cope with that, I, I need the opposite kind of personally. I need to be able to go away. And for me, my, my happy place is, uh, is in the water. Uh, that's where I'm able to kind of forget things uh, and just focus on, on, um, on, on riding the wind, riding the waves. And I think that just, I think for me, it's really important to have that, have that balance. Um, and and no you, you really can't... Well, which helps. <laughs> I'm sorry? And no Wi-Fi as well, which helps. No Wi-Fi, uh, but still, still, of course, a higher adrenaline sport as well, which is, which is, which is good and, and fun. So... Uh, it still has you gives you that kind of kick, uh, uh, and so that that's that's why I that's why I love it. Hmm. And what kind of things can you take away from it um, into the business world? Because um, I mean, there'll be discipline, there'll be strength, there'll be a lot of elements that go to doing that sport. So, what can be taken away from it and placed as a leader, as someone that runs a business? Yeah. Um... I think with, with the danger of taking some analogies too far, but I think uh, the big aspect of kite surfing is that you have to power your kite in the right way, right? If you're underpowered, you're not going to be able to kite because you're not going to be able to get out of the water. If you're overpowered, uh, it's going to become really dangerous because you might get blown away out of the water and, and get hurt. And if, if you translate that to the business, I think as you're growing a company and especially from a, a kind of financial investment perspective, being able to correctly assess when is the right time to... Um, be cost conscious, right? And, and kind of save every dollar, so to speak. And when is the right time to go all in, invest heavily, um, hit the gas and grow as fast as you can. I think that's really important to kind of to assess that, right? And in some sense, you can have that analogy view. You, if you're underpowered, I think you, you lose the opportunity, right? There's, there's an opportunity cost that you're not taking advantage of. If you're overpowered, I think it becomes really dangerous, become really risky. And so being able to kind of uh, kind of keep your foot on the gas pedal, uh, pressing in, pressing out. I think similar to kitesurfing, being able to kind of assess that well, I think is really important in business. Then. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a perfect analogy because um, you can literally miss the boat, no pun intended actually, but you can literally miss the boat, Yes, go way too fast and then just, just mess it all up. Um, so, and when we talk about business and creating new new ventures and everything, what, what motivates you? Um, of course, I mean, what you do is something quite unique. But what motivates you um, in life to do what you do? Yeah, and I've thought about that because, like I said, in my family, I don't have all the kind of entrepreneurs or people that, that are running companies. So why, why, uh, what, did, what did I want to start a company? But I think what really motivates me still to this day is, is I want to build. I want to build something 
that I'm that I'm proud of, right? And, and so that's why I went into software because I think the amazing thing about computer science software is that you can build something, you get that feedback loop right away, and and other people can use it, right? And so you you build something that has kind of real value for end users, right? And I think that's that's always been incredibly exhilarating for me. I remember, like I said, when 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 internet just arrived in our in our in our, in our uh, city for the first time, I don't know, 25 years ago, being able to build websites around surfing at the time, I think it was amazing. And then see that the 50 people actually come looking at your website, that feeling I think was fantastic. So I think that's always been a motivational part. That's why, why I wanted to start a company as well, to actually be able to build something, uh, build something where, uh, like we say today internally, where, where people can do the best work of their lives, to so build something that's great, that that's right, uh, that you can feel proud of, and build something that really, uh, that is an important has a big impact on the, on the world as well, where people actually get a ton of value. And I think where we are with, with data, given where it is, um, I think that that's still incredibly uh, an exciting place to be. And that, that still drives me after doing this for now 14 years, I think. Yeah. And I mean, and that, that's a testament to what you're doing, because if you last that long as well, you're really solving something and giving something unique. Um, to people out there and businesses out there. Um, I mean, you mentioned you kind of are the, the first generation of entrepreneurs um, in your family. I mean, let's talk about your thought process around coming up with ideas and generating ideas. Um, tell us what, what you do, what's your ritual? <laughs> How do you come up with new things? Um, it's, a, it's a really good question. I, I, I like to take in a lot of information uh, because that kind of triggers uh, my mind and, and then I kind of put it together and, and come with an idea. And maybe not the typical entrepreneur that has like hundreds of ideas where the biggest problem or challenge is like, hey, how do I stay focused? Yeah. I sometimes jokingly said, uh, I've only had one good idea in my life and that idea is pretty bad. Uh, and so I'll, I'll need well, to make the most out. of it because <laughs> yeah, I, it's kind of, so I'm not that like person that has tons of ideas all the time, but I am somebody like uh, when you have an idea and, and, and something you want to go for it, I'm, I, I, I'm incredibly focused and I almost like forget everything else. Um, but even now with Colibria, what, what I tell my team, um, keep me in the loop. I want to, I want to hear from customers, from our engineering team, from our product team. I want to, I want to get all those data points because then when I sleep and I go out, take a walk, I, I love walking. I think it's a great way to, to think, uh, kind of your mind puts it together in ways you sometimes maybe don't understand even, but that's where I think great ideas come from. And then again, like working that or, or and talking that through with others and, and the team, that, that's how I love to kind of to, to think about new new ideas and kind of my, how, how my thought process works. Yeah, I, I think that's super cool because I mean it is all about just taking as much information as possible and then knowing what to go for. Um, and sometimes is the, the is where a lot of people get lost is finding yeah. the, the the niche and then yeah. and even harder than that is actually sticking to it because um, it's very easy to go off rails and then the whole thing. It's again with kite surfing. If you're probably yeah. too much, then you go off. You go off. Exactly, got um, it. Stay the course. <laughs> yeah, um, and and Felix, of course, running a business comes with a lot of responsibility and a lot of um, a lot of choices. But what's yeah. one thing in business that you 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 wouldn't give up on? Something that's non-negotiable um, to you? Yeah, um, I'd say um, like like do the right thing. Uh, right, I, I think we're we're really ambitious, and like you need to be really ambitious in business. Otherwise, you shouldn't do it. So that passion, that ambition, I think it's incredibly important. If it's worth worth doing, it, it's worth doing a hundred percent. And so it's almost like almost like binary, right? And so I expect like a hundred percent that passion, that that drive, that ambition. I think is incredibly important. Um, but with that, also doing it in the right way, right? I mean, integrity, respect, kindness. 
uh, staying true to yourself, authenticity, all of those things, I think incredibly important. If you, if you, you need, always need to think long-term. And I think if you, if you think long-term uh, versus short-term, you have to stay true to who you are, to what you are, to what you want to do, to your mission. That's kind of, again, staying true to that, I think is incredibly important. Don't let yourself get swayed by the, by the short-term optimization, uh, but just kind of stay true, uh, stay honest. I think it's incredibly important. Surrounding yourself with people that think like that as well, that are kind, respectful uh, people that think long-term, that are good people, um, I think is, is, is incredibly important. Life's too short to, to, not, to not do that. And then maybe finally, um, what I talk about a lot in the company as well is having that growth mindset, right? Getting out of your comfort zone, like I said, being able to kind of continuously want to improve, improve yourself. Know that, that there's a lot of things that you don't know. Uh, kind of have, have a low ego and, and, and always seek to improve uh, personally, professionally. Uh, I think that's something that drives me as well. And I think that that's really, really important. And you don't want to compromise on that either. Hmm. I, lo- I love that, especially the idea of thinking the long term, because I see so many people sometimes get stuck in the short term, the next month, yeah. next few months, yeah. even the next five years, for example, um, where yeah. things will be much better. Always think 12 months ahead, 24 months ahead. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And Felix, of course, you started 14 years ago, but um, you still are an entrepreneur. Once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. What what advice or three tips advice would you share with, um, I was going to say kids, not kids, but with younger people that want to get into this space today, um, into the data space? If they want to start a startup today, what three tips would you say um, are the three th- main things you need to consider? Yeah, I think in the... It's interesting, I think that the whole data space has exploded over the last 10 years. When, when we started, nobody cared that much about data. It was all about process improvements. Now, of course, data is kind of the foundation of everything, which is fantastic. So in that sense, it's a good, a good time to, uh, to start something now because everybody's going to understand how important data is. You don't have to kind of uh, sell that anymore. But I think that's also makes it a little harder because I do think there's a, a lot of noise. There's so many companies doing so, so many different things with data. If you look at those markets, uh, market overviews about the data ecosystem, there's so many, so many companies. So I think um, my tips would be find something that, that, that's really unique, that's really differentiated. It could be very technical, like, like uh, a technical innovation that makes your database 100 times faster. And we've got great examples like that. But it needs to be a really an order of magnitude better or something that's, that's just different that doesn't exist yet. I think given that there's been so much investment, so much... Um, attention to the data space, so many different companies. It's hard if, if you address another kind of me too or a little better. I think that's going to be hard. So try to find something that's really unique, truly differentiated and spend enough time developing that, kind of take your time. Don't try to uh, kind of jump on the on the next hot thing because I, I, I can guarantee you, you're going to be too late. It's going to be somebody else who's been working on it for five years already before it was the, the next hot thing and, and you're not going to catch up. So kind of that's one. Linked to that, I'd say the hardest part is going to be kind of how to raise above the noise, right? Because again, there's so much going on. How do you stand out? We, in that sense, were lucky at Philippe because there was very little noise. Uh, in that sense, that made it really hard for us to explain to people like, hey, this is important, like governance, data, this is going to be important. That was our challenge. Now the opposite is, is, is true. There's, everybody understands how important it is, but then how do, you, how do you help people? How do you make sure people actually pay attention to what you are doing. I think that's going to be a challenge. Uh, so try to kind of raise above the noise. And I think maybe a third kind of a recommendation would be, and a good way to do that, I think is building community, right? There's so many practitioners out there. 
and building a community around what you're doing of people that believe in what you're doing, I think is incredible, incredibly important, incredibly valuable. Uh, we've been able to do that in the beginning around the data stewards, which is a new role uh, being created. Like, hey, trust in data is important. Compliance in data is important. Privacy data is important. And there's a new role being created, data steward, to make sure that we do that. And so you build a community around that role. And I think that's incredibly uh, powerful. And so I would, I would um, always recommend people try to build a community of true believers in what you're doing. And there's an enormous amount of strength in, in, in doing that. Yeah, and it, it always comes back to the, um, the human interaction and the human connection as well. Um, at the end of the day, even though this is all technology, it still comes down to being human and talking to other yep. human beings. Um, and Felix, how have you seen, I, I'm going to ask two questions at the same time now, but how have you seen the role of the entrepreneur change over the years in the data space? Um, and do you think there's enough entrepreneurship in the, in the big data space today? We, we see a lot of startups, but you think is enough? Um, especially when we talk about different regions in the world as well. Yeah, I would say there's a, in some sense, there's never enough. Uh, I think more entrepreneurship is, is better, especially in other regions of the world. And I think it's really exciting to see uh, regions that maybe 10 years ago weren't really known for a lot of entrepreneurship now starting to rise up. I think it's great to see the level of entrepreneurship in Europe. It's great to see like Colibria. We have a couple of ex-Colibrians uh, um, start, start companies in this space, uh, which is fantastic to see. So in, in one sense, I think I will always, always be a proponent for more entrepreneurship because I think that's how we, we make the world better, more innovation. Uh, I think that's that's the way forward. Um, but I think it's also linked to what I said before. I think there's got more noise in the market, so I think you really it's going to be harder to kind of stand out. So think of okay, how do you how do you, as an entrepreneur how do you stand out? Are you deeply, deeply, deeply technical? Right, where it has a true innovation, something that's an order of magnitude better than anything that's that's there, and is that kind of your differentiation? So I think that's one way. Or are you a great storyteller, community builder, um, and can you partner with somebody uh, that, that's more technical? I think that's another uh, kind of uh, the role of entrepreneurship. I think it's going to be in that sense easier to to raise money as well, uh, given how hot data is as as a sector. So there's going to be a lot of tailwinds. So I think that makes it um, that that makes it easier. Uh, but I think I think the harder part is going to be how do you how do you differentiate yourselves? How do you rise above the noise? I think that's going to be the the, the challenge, and I think that's going to impact uh, kind of the role of entrepreneurs uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, on the capital front, it's almost like a problem that doesn't exist because it's almost way too much capital <laughs> to be put forward. <laughs> um, I, I think it's. Please. I also want to be careful because I'm I'm sure. Some people hearing this are going to be really frustrated because they try to raise capital and they can't, and they're not going to feel like there's enough capital and it's easy. So I think capital raising is always hard, so I don't want to minimize that. I do think it's, it's gotten a lot better than it was, let's say, 10 years ago, which is a good thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think we, we definitely live in a different world than we lived uh, in, in 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I also find it amazing that it's a massive testament to the mentorship and the way a business is built when employees leave to go and start something uh, that's also turns out to be successful because the basis will come from where they were before so i mean again it shows that what you created 14 years ago has produced um not only a solid business but also um a concrete team um, yeah it's, it's always sad to see people like that leave because they oh, come yeah, so but... much and work closely <laughs> together but then seeing them start other companies i think it's it's i take it as one of the biggest compliments that i that i can get in yeah. some sense 
Uh, and I will always be incredibly supportive uh, of that, but it's, it's fantastic to see. Yeah, no, it's just amazing. And um, be- before we just do a quick break from, from our partner, um, I was going to ask you, what is the one thing that's still missing um, in the big data space today? We are giving say, your business idea away, I guess. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think it's, uh, I think that focus on the people. I think we've seen such a tremendous level of innovation on dealing with more data, right? More data, more complex data, faster data, move to the cloud, bigger databases, faster databases, cheaper databases, and all that innovation, like how do you do things faster and so on, like at scale, more complexity. But if, if you talk to organizations and you ask them like, hey, where are you actually in your data journey? Like how much of a data culture do you really have? How data literate are, are, are your employees? Not your, not your core data team, not your data analysts and your data engineers, but truly all of your employees. I think we're still incredibly early in that journey. And so I think that the big opportunity is how do you still make it easy? How do you truly democratize data? How do you truly build these, what we call data citizens where everyone, right? From a, somebody in marketing to sales, to HR, to finance, to, and so on. Like everybody's truly able to use data effectively. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's gonna happen by building another kind of faster database. While important and valuable, really focusing on the people, people side of data. I think that's that's the biggest opportunity in the in the data space. Yeah, I mean that is. I mean again, it's a very good point because um, there's a big data literacy still around, um, especially when you look at different regions. Some regions are more advanced than others, but still, even in the, in the most mature regions, um, there still is some. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll even go as far as saying, even within governments as well, there's a bit of data literacy <laughs> um, of some things that we see everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, even in, in, in those kind of internet digitally native companies, right? Of course, they have incredible data teams that are incredibly um, advanced and knowledgeable, but even broader, even there, there's, there's a ton of kind of data culture, data literacy to be uh, to be built. Um, so I think we're still very, very early on that journey. Yeah. Okay. Well, Felix, thanks so much. And uh, before we continue, here's just a quick message from our sponsor, Fortman Partners. Are you seeking great business minds for your digital infrastructure business? Portman Partners is a unique international executive search firm dedicated to finding the leaders for the digital infrastructure industry. Led by Portman founder and senior partner Peter Hannaford and chairman David Pye, Portman works with clients around the world in the internet and cloud infrastructure sector. Portman has a vast network of contacts around the globe and has placed senior leaders at many of the world's most prestigious organizations in the business. From investors to hyperscale operators, regional colors, designers, construction firms and plant and equipment manufacturers, Portman has the talent and experience required to fill a wide range of C-level and leadership positions. No other executive search firm specializing in the digital infrastructure sectors can match Portman's knowledge industry expertise, or the worldwide connections needed to conduct efficient and confidential searches that will result in successful placements. If you want to be at the top of your sector, get in touch with Portman, the best in theirs. To learn more and connect with Portman via their website, visit www.portmanpartners.com. Welcome back to the second part of the Great Business Minds podcast episode with Felix van der Maller. Um, Felix, let's now move more towards talking about the, the business that you started and also the industry that you operate within. 
Um, so first off, I mean, tell us about Colibra. Like, where did the idea come from? We kind of already touched on that a little bit, to be honest. But tell us where did the idea come from? What was the process of starting it? Um, and the challenges? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like I said, I, I did my kind of master's in computer science at the University of Brussels. Started doing my research in my first master thesis around semantic data integration, doing a lot of research on semantic technology. Uh, semantic web at the time was a big thing. That's actually what we called Web 3.0 uh, at the time. Um, but then I felt too young, so I, I studied abroad, did a lot of master, master thesis on, um, um, again, uh, data integration, uh, kind of through those, those semantic technologies. And, and this is really how two things came together. On the one hand, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. Uh, I could continue or start my PhD. I could become a consultant. I could go work at a bank. None of those seemed really appealing to me. And I was in Argentina, like I said, and I started reading um, a book. It's called Founders at Work, uh, where I read all these stories about other entrepreneurs starting companies. And I was also reading a, a blog about um, the early years of Google, like Google, again, 15 years ago, very early, just IPO'd. And that level of energy and passion and big mission, big ambition, but also a great place where people could do the best work of their lives, that really, really resonated with me. And so I wanted to work in a similar environment. But again, coming from Belgium, there weren't any startups or companies like that. I didn't make the connection that maybe I should just try to apply uh, and go to Silicon Valley. And so uh, kind of the, the, the obvious answer to me was, let me just try to uh, start a company myself and all my young uh, ignorance and naivety. I said, well, if they can do it, I can as well try, why, why not? Um, and so that's kind of where the idea of starting a company uh, came from. And then, like I said, we're doing a lot of research on semantic technology at the university around data. And I was incredibly passionate about the, the opportunity and the importance of data, but really understanding the meaning of data, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing people together to understand what data means, how to trust it, and when, what you can do with it. And we've seen a ton of kind of innovation. If you think about Siri and your iPhone, all of the innovation at Google and search all comes to that semantic technology. But we were always focused on, okay, how do you actually bring people together to agree on kind of what data means. Um, and that's kind of those two coming together. I said, okay, let's start Kudibia. So that's what we did. 2008, first job out of school. So I hadn't done anything else in my whole life except oh, for wow. uh, starting, uh, starting Kudibia. Um, and that's kind of wh where, we, where, we, where we got going. Um, uh, and so of course, 2008, uh, interesting time to start a company. I think we started June 2008, so just before the financial crisis, uh, which I, again, I think, getting out of your comfort zone, but I think it's still part of the DNA of, of Colibia to understand, I think the more early, uh, earlier comment, like when to hit the gas and, and, and when to kind of uh, be more conservative uh, because we've lived uh, through a lot of that. But it also helped us ultimately found our initial kind of product market fit because suddenly all of the banks had to comply to a lot of new regulation. Um, BCBS, Dodd-Frank, basically they had to prove to the regulators that they were in control of their data. Um, and so data governance, became a really, really big thing. And of course, semantic technology, how do you bring people together to kind of understand and trust data? That was a great fit for us. And that's kind of how we found our initial uh, product market fit and, and how we got going. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me sounds, <clears throat> sorry, that to me sounds almost like being at the right time in the right place. Um, and the right time for you was a financial crisis. <laughs> they really helped with the, the, the beginnings. Yeah, well, I said right time, right place with hindsight, maybe, but at the time it didn't feel like that. Scary. No, I, I remember after the first year we had zero revenue, zero customers. Uh, because we started actually with the idea of doing, again, data integration based on my research at the university. But after a year of, of no success, we found, okay, that, that's not working. So we 
we pivoted, right? And I think well understood that kind of you have to iterate to find that product market fit. So that's absolutely what we did. And then that took another three years until we truly kind of found our product market fit as something started to work like 2012. Um, so the first four years were definitely hard and, and difficult, very much kind of survival, survival mode. And so with hindsight, uh, I think we, we probably started four years too early. But the good thing is that given how little we knew coming out of school, it did give us the time to kind of learn and, and grow as, as a team and a company as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of positive things that come out of it. First, that young people got together to start something um, yep. and they went on with it. And I think from what you told me, it just shows a lot of maturity as well, because a lot of people, they start something. A lot of people, I'll say probably the majority of people will get to the end of those 12 months with no revenues, no customers and throw everything in the rubbish and go do something else. So I think the, the fact that you guys adapted to the circumstances and changed things around to make it work, I think that alone is a massive lesson, um, which I don't know if you agree or not. I think maybe sometimes some startups, they don't have that because they're so fixated um, on an idea that the flexibility yeah. isn't there all the time. I, I think the flexibility, I think is super important. It goes back to the growth mindset. I keep, keep pushing, trying, uh, see what works. And I read something like that the, the, the best startup advice is very simply just don't give up, yeah. <laughs> keep going. And I mean, every, there's always a path, there's not silver bullets, every kind of, there's not one playbook to do it. But if you, if you talk to people that I think have ultimately uh, been successful, I think there's always been hard times and it's just not giving up, keep pushing, keep going. Um, I think ultimately is, is what, it's what's required. Yeah, you would always go into safe port at some point um unless it's something out of your hands but usually it's within your reach to 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 get yep. there um yep. and finally so of course you you talked about staying above the noise um in this day and age um things have changed a lot how i mean how does calibra stay stay um above the noise and how you're planning to do it in the next few years yeah absolutely um so i, I it goes back to i think defining what you do really well um and, and then going really deep and so kind of initially our focus was, okay, we want to create a way the data governance category, right? And we've done that very successfully. And over the last two, three years, we've expanded our vision and now we want to um, kind of create a way the data intelligence category. And so we are single, we're incredibly focused on that kind of area, right? And we want to be the best at, at that. And we believe we, 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 we can and will be the best at that. So I think being super, super focused on what you do and what you don't do, I think is incredibly, is incredibly important. Um, I think we got lucky in some sense that we started early. So we've built a great kind of brand community, again, going back to community of people, of chief data officers, chief analytics officers. And so I think that's an incredible strength and, and that we are continuously kind of cultivating and, 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 uh, and growing. And we have our data citizens conferences and a community building or user conferences, all of that kind of to, keep, to keep doing that. And I also say, I think, thinking long-term, right? Optimizing a company to make the long-term uh, decisions, both from a technology product perspective, from a go-to-market perspective, from a team perspective, culture, values. If you optimize for the long-term, um, I, I think that's also uh, really important to just stay ahead and make the right decisions uh, also, also competitively. Hmm. No, no, that, that makes sense. I was actually going to say, because so, a lot of the work that I do, for instance, um, around digital infrastructure, in this case, there's a lot of things happening now in emerging markets. Um, so literally almost the southern globe, so the southern hemisphere. Um, yep. Geographically, what, what's, what's the plan for Colibra? Like, how are you going to explain into different regions, your, where, where are you going to go? 
and where, where you yeah, are absolutely. Right so we, we think of ourselves as a global company with Belgian yeah. roots, right? So we started in Belgium, but very quickly we realized, look, we, we have to win internationally. Uh, we want to be the leader in our category. The only way to do that, you can't be the king in Belgium. It doesn't matter. Way too small, small of a country. You have to kind of win globally. And so very early, uh, we kind of set our sights initially mostly on, on again, financial services, uh, product market fit on, on UK, around London, and then, mm-hmm. and then the US as well. Today, most of the operational headquarters, I would say, is in, is in the US, but predominantly of our, of our team and customers are. But we still think of ourselves very much as a, as a, as a global company. And so today, we're mostly active in uh, Europe, EMEA, and, and North America, uh, because there's just so much opportunity. And it goes back to my earlier point on competition. I think focus, staying focused, I think is incredibly important as well. Don't spread yourself too thin. Uh, but we do have a, a growing team in Asia Pacific out of Australia, uh, which we want to continue to grow. And, uh, and kind of the, the international expansion is going to continue to kind of fuel our growth for the next couple of years. Um, and that's kind of how we think about it. Hmm. Okay, it'll be exciting to see. Um, yeah. If you were starting everything all over again, what would you do different? What would be the one thing they would do different now? Um, that's a good question. I think in general, I'm pretty happy with the, the decisions. We, we <laughs> took. I think with hindsight, it's always easy, right? Uh, if yeah. only I've knew, but I think I, I would continue uh, a couple of things. I would uh, almost throw away, the, I, I talked about the first year of work, right? That we didn't get anything. I would almost like throw away that work even quicker and make that hard decision. Like, hey, this isn't working. We need to pivot and we need to shift. Um, make that a little faster. I think with hindsight, we could have made that, that decision uh, earlier. Two, I think we potentially could have even uh, gone to the US even faster. Um, mm. Uh, you can't do it too fast, but I think going there quickly because clearly that was a big market for us uh, was another one. And then third, I would say, and it's easy to say, hard to do, but hire the right people. Uh, if often the, the challenge that we've seen is, is when we haven't hired the right people or, or, or made those uh, uh, decisions uh, quickly enough. And it's super, super, super hard, um, but it's so, so, so impactful when you're growing the company, the people you surround yourselves uh, you surround yourself with or is everything and often when you see as a, a challenge is often when you when for whatever reason uh, they're not the right people uh, at the right time in the right place uh, and so I think that's uh, the most challenge I would say is always going back to going back to people very very familiar problem I can tell you that <laughs> yeah. I think it happens with everyone <laughs> yeah. um, and then just I mean we, we've already talked about this a little bit about um, the data market and the investment but what would you say is the biggest disruption happening right now um in the data space is it i mean we, we hear a lot of conversation of course around artificial intelligence metaverse uh, we've we touched on data de- de- democratization i can't pronounce it um it's what would you say is the biggest disruption today right now i would say in the in the data ecosystem specifically I think a few things. One, I think the realization that the future of data is going to be distributed and federated. For the last 30 years, we've always tried to solve our data problems by moving all of data in one place. Um, that's still often the promise of, 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 the, of the, the companies that are well served uh, by that. But as a trend, uh, people often talk about it like data mesh, uh, where we actually apply all of the, a lot of the learnings from the, the engineering side DevOps, uh, all, like Agile, Cloud Native, all of those things, and I start applying it to data. And it really means that you're going to have different data teams uh, building data products. Uh, and so I think that, that, that 
kind of distributed federated nature of data. It's not just about the data, it's about the usability of the data. Uh, so don't just think of the data, but also think of data as products where you need documentation and quality and QA and SLAs, all of that. And that's how you actually, to your point from a data democratization perspective, you make it easy for people to actually consume and use those, uh, those data products. I think that's another uh, big, um, big trend. And I'd say that finally, as data becomes more and more critical um, and, and we move to the more kind of a distributed architecture in the cloud, kind of being able to monitor and observe the quality of the data across that entire spectrum, across that entire supply chain is becoming absolutely critical. And we've seen almost like a renaissance in data quality and observability exactly for that reason. If new architectures, distributed architectures into the cloud, data has become real time just like we are monitoring or, or, or IT infrastructure, like if your application goes down, you need to know. You also need to monitor your data infrastructure because if a data pipeline goes down, it has immediate impact. You talked about AI, right? You might have an AI model uh, uh, that requires continuous data. If, if, if that data pipeline goes down, it has an immediate kind of mission critical impact. And so monitoring and observing your kind of data infrastructure uh, has become uh, critical as well. And with that also the security and privacy side of that, I think is only becoming more and more important. Especially in the day and age that we live, unfortunately. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but that's th th super interesting. Felix, so beyond Calibra, what else are we going to draw to do in terms of businesses or ideas? And it can be technology, it can be a kite surfing school. What's, what else have you got in your mind? You've said you don't have a lot of things that you want to do in one go, you want to focus, but surely there'll be one or two things in there. Uh, I might have to disappoint you. I, I, like I said, I've, I've, I've only had one idea. I'm just so focused on Calibra. And why? Because it's such an incredible opportunity, what we're building. I mean, 14 years in, but I know it's a cliche, but still just getting started. I think we're on this mission to, to become the system of engagement for data, right? And I think that's incredibly important, a massive mission. Think of Calibra like what Salesforce are doing for sales and marketing, what Atlassian is doing for engineering, what Workday is doing for HR what SAP has done for finance. I think that's the opportunity for us to do for data. And I think that's incredibly uh, important, a, a massive opportunity. So I'm still kind of 200% focused on, on, on that mission. Uh, and we're still, we're still building towards that. And so that's, uh, that's, still, that's still my, my sole yeah. focus. I mean, I'm sure the opportunity is huge. I, I don't actually know what the actual analyst numbers are for the projections, but I'm sure that opportunity is bigger than what SAP's opportunity was. When they were yeah, it's an incredible opportunity, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it would be amazing. Um, and then, Felix, just to round things up, it's um, what's been the best and the worst advice you've ever received? You said, like before, just get up and go and do it. But um, what's something that someone told you they one, they really stuck to you because it was a good thing, and the other one was like, yeah, I shouldn't have listened to this person. Yeah, I remember well, um, it's very early. We we're still thinking about starting a company. And uh, I was at an event uh, with a lot of kind of business angels. And I remember having a conversation with, with a group of business angels, well-experienced, successful business angels investors. We, we talked about the plan to start Colibria, start an enterprise software company. And the advice that I got, like, don't start an enterprise software company. Enterprise software is dead. SAP, IBM, and Oracle are going to own enterprise software. There's no opportunity to innovate. There's no opportunity to grow. And just, it just it's just funny to see how wrong they were, right? And, it, and so it's, it's always interesting, like you, you don't know what's going to happen. So in some sense, don't listen too much to, to some advice as well, because it was, it was before SaaS, 
actually happened and look at, at where we are now. I think SaaS is clearly uh, the future of enterprise software. There's never been a, a bigger opportunity to innovate in enterprise software. So that was clearly not, not good advice. So sometimes it's important to ignore the advice that, that, you, that you get and just follow your gut as well. And I think on the, on the best advice, I mean, I've, I've, I've had so much good advice, I think to pick one um, that I'm still kind of working on myself is um, don't forget to celebrate the wins, mm -hmm. right? Because you're so focused on executing, on doing better. You always see opportunities to do better, all the things that should be better. You always kind of, especially as an entrepreneur, I think you keep wanting to move forward, go faster, go bigger, and keep focusing on the next thing or the next milestone. Um, 14 years in, still, still that mentality. But sometimes you have to just take a moment and look back and say, look, these amazing things we've already done, all these incredible things that the team has accomplished and be able to celebrate that uh, and take stock of that, I think is important. And mm. uh, not something I always do enough of, uh, but I think that, that that's good advice. I'm, I'm still trying to take the heart more. Yeah, I think that's a very good point because I mean, it's a, everyone needs a moral boost, even if it's a personal yeah. or a team moral boost, everyone needs that. Um, and on the first point, I mean, you were saying it and we still see that happening. It's yeah. when people say about new business ideas, there's so many people like, oh, no, this company is going to eat you alive or this and that. Exactly. Um, and we, we see a lot that with, uh, with the big public cloud players. Um, and then you start seeing what's happening in Asia and it's like, well, there will be one coming out of Asia at some point. Um, yeah. So the, the future is not just now. Um, and then, Felix, last question. What's your favorite quotes ever by who and why? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think a, a quote by, uh, by Mark Twain. Um, hmm. It was like, I, I apologize for such a long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. <laughs> I, I really, I really like that because on a number of, of, of different uh, levels, if you look at it from a product perspective, it's easy to build a really complex product. It's really, really hard to build a really simple product. And so more isn't always better. I think on that perspective, our product technology is something I really care about. And now today, um, you have to build kind of easy to use, simple products, which is really, really hard. It takes a lot longer and more time and more effort than to just build a, a really complex product with lots of, kind of, lots of, of features and functions. And so it actually applies on, on, the, on, the, uh, on that level. And I think it, it applies to kind of me as a style perspective. I, I, I tend to be not long with words, but more kind of to the point and, uh, and short. So I think it's a, I, I, I like that. I like that quote. Hmm. Very Silicon Valley friendly as well. Because <laughs> I know they like to keep it short. <laughs> yeah. um, but Felix, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, it's been amazing to, to talk to you. And um, it's going to be amazing to see how the company evolves as well um, on its long journey already and how the data space shifts uh, over the next couple of years, especially around enterprise data usage. Um, and as you mentioned, data democratization. I think that's going to be very, very interesting to see. Um, at least during this decade with everything that Absolutely. we know is going on. Uh, but thank you so much, Felix. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to review and share this episode and follow the Great Business Minds podcast on all your favorite streaming and social media platforms. You can find the links in the podcast description. Thank you again to our sponsor, Portman Partners, the leading executive search firm for the digital infrastructure sector. Portman finds the talent you need to protect and enrich your assets. They get it right the first time, every time. Do subscribe to the podcast and we invite you back again for the next episode of the definitive show for the business of digital infrastructure, the Great Business Minds podcast. See you then.